Hello and welcome to Inner Momologue. I am Maretta Ryan. I'm Kamal Rabusin. And I'm Barbara Davidson. Today on the pod, we're going to be going over some stories from the week. And then we're going to be talking about uh, September being Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Um, so I've got a bit of a story to share. Um, don't worry, happy ending. Um, don't want to scare from, you know, clicking off right away. Um, let's start with stories of the week, though. Uh, so I hear that we have a funny story from both Barbara and Carmel. So Barbara, do you want to go first? Uh, mine's not so much funny, I guess. It was just something really interesting that happened. Um, and I was invited to a Zoom wedding, um, which obviously in a world of, of COVID and lockdowns and things was um, it's definitely something I've never done before. I've never attended a wedding um, virtually before. Um, and it was quite delightful, actually. It was, yeah. um, it was the wedding itself was in Alice Springs um, in the middle of a desert. So in terms of, I guess, the internet connection there, it was a little bit fuzzy. But just being able to be part of that when, you know, you can't, you know, you're not doing a face to face, I think was just a really lovely way to spend a Saturday. And don't get me wrong. I had a glass of red. I even put some lipstick on. Like I just, you know, I, I tried to prepare for the event as much as I could. But um, it was just a really nice way to, you know, to be able to celebrate, even though you can't necessarily be there. And I think that was, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely something that she really, really loved. Um, she had a, a bit of a chat with us at the end of the ceremony and but just being able to be part of it and and actually getting closer than you probably would yeah, <laughs> at the wedding true. as well, which is quite nice. But it was, yeah, it was really lovely. And, you know, there's still the tears when she walked down the aisle and when she was, you know, the witness and she looked at, she's a stunning girl anyway, but um, she just looked absolutely just amazing. So, so what yeah. did she do? Did she have a designated Zoom person? Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So somebody had her, I think it was her phone or her iPad, or I don't know what device it was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just basically was in charge of staying there with it and literally took us from the moment she walked down the aisle to, um, yeah, the start of the, rece- the, the reception ceremony, which obviously that would have probably <laughs> not been the greatest way to spend a Saturday night yeah, virtually yeah. drinking. But um, yeah, <laughs> no, 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 was, you weren't you know, virtually <laughs> drinking. You were you were actually drinking. <laughs> I was actually <laughs> drinking. Yeah. So no, it was it was nice. And I think, you know, they're obviously they've taken videos and things of the of the reception and they've taken um, more photos and things that they'll share. But um, I just thought it was a, you know, a, a nice way. And I know a lot of people um, are doing um weddings now that they don't necessarily have the people that they they would love to be there um, and I just thought you know it's it's not the real thing of course not but it, it was a really lovely way to help celebrate so yeah that was my that was my nice story that's beautiful that's yeah and I mean very, it sounds like sweet. this wedding had an open bar I know <laughs> really wish I was there <laughs> sorry so did I I had an open bar here in my good kitchen on you too, so. <laughs> So now, did you, you said you had lipstick on, did you like dress up and get your hair done or? No, I, I am, I, yeah, I had my pajama bottoms on and I (laughs) stuffed my hair into a a bun, but what I did is I pulled a little bit out at the front just so it looked like I'd made an effort. But um, when I went on, everybody was, um, everybody else that was attending were kind of sat on their couches with their big jumpers on. So then I was like, take off, you know, put a little scarf on and just pretend that I hadn't made any kind of effort. But I took, (laughs) I had the red wine anyway. So um, yeah. Nice. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, different ways to spend a Saturday night for sure. Well, that's it. And you can still yeah. celebrate with your loved ones. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. 
Um, Carmel, what happened to you this week? Well, I discovered that um, my son's going to make an excellent father. And, <laughs> and, and how I discovered this was not, not because of, you know, a level of empathy he shows, which he does, you know, but, you know, not the way in which he loves or anything like that, um, in the way he managed to pull off a dad joke um, <laughs> with props, oh, <laughs> which, which was pretty impressive. I, uh, funnily enough, was actually on a work call at the time to the lovely Barbara and chatting away and Mitchell runs up beside me because, you know, we're homeschooling or so remote learning or whatever we're calling it at the moment um, with lockdown and he runs up to me with a plastic bag. It was actually a doggy bag because I'd sent him outside to go and pick up the dog's poo and he ran up to me with a heavy thing in the bag and he's shaking the bag like this. He's going, Mum, Mum, I've caught a mouse. I've caught a mouse. I'm like, no, you haven't. Just what are you doing? He's like, caught a mouse. I've caught a mouse. I've caught a mouse. He then proceeds to open the bag and pull his computer mouse oh out God. of the plastic <laughs> bag. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> my patient's levels were like, she was in hysterics. <laughs> You're not helping, Barbara. <laughs> no, I was not helping the homeschooling situation, but it was actually quite the funny. <laughs> you know what? I could, I can just envision his, his sweet little face as he's thinking, I got her. I got it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, oh well, I think God. it was made even funnier by the fact that about half an hour later, I see the dog, I'm in the middle of a, another work thing, and I just see the dog zoom past me at 100 miles an hour. And then I hear thump, 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 thump as my son runs down the stairs. And it's like, Mom, he's got my mouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it never stops. You know what? Never stops. Props to that kiddo because uh, that was a solid. That was a solid dad joke. I'll give him that. I'll give it really him. Really was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my week was significantly less eventful. However, um, I did actually bake something super yummy that I just wanted to share with you guys. Um, so I've actually modified this recipe over the last couple of years, um, you know, just to make sure that it's, you know, perfectly attuned to my taste, but I call it a blueberry oat slice. And, um, I haven't been able to find them here in Australia, but back in Canada, Starbucks had these, these blueberry oat bar slice type things that I was just obsessed with. I just, I couldn't walk past the Starbucks without, without, um, grabbing one of these bars. So, um, I found a recipe that was really similar and I just, you know, tweaked it over the years, but I know that our audience can't, can't see this, but I'm going to hold up. <gasps> Yum. Yum. Yeah. It is <laughs> so good. Yeah. Oh it's, goodness. it's kind of this, um, you know, packed Odie layer on the base it's got this beautiful like blueberry puree on t- on the, in the middle, and then like the, the basically the base is just sprinkled on top. So it's so simple, it's so yummy. I actually make this with my four year old a lot because he likes to measure out the different ingredients. Um, yeah. And the only part that he can't do is when I have to like um, uh, cook the blueberry puree part on top of the stove. Um, so yeah, super kid friendly, and I use like frozen blueberries. Um, yeah, it is amazing. And to make matters even better, um, they freeze perfectly. So oh, good. Yeah, I actually make the batch, cool it to room temperature and chuck the, uh, cut it up, 
toss the entire thing in the freezer because you can they, they don't they don't solidify they just get cold and a little bit firmer so mm -hmm. you can just eat them right out of the freezer and they still taste awesome yum yeah and yum. because they're not on the counter tempting me um they last longer <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so um i took a few fancy photos and i will post the photos and the recipe on our instagram account which is at inner momologue pod um so check us out there um yeah uh, tell me what you think if you make them because they are just oh they're brilliant and um i'm not gonna lie guys i i didn't actually bring that that sample to show you i actually <laughs> brought it to eat during our break <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um yeah sorry about that as soon as we go off air i'm just cramming my face with it it's gonna be delicious <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so that was our stories for the week. Um, we're going to take a break right now so that I can stuff my face uh, with this blueberry oat bar. And we will be back momentarily to talk about September and Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. See you soon. Welcome back. As I mentioned earlier, we are going to be talking about September being Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Um, now, I know what you're thinking. It sounds like it's a bit of a downer uh, to talk about on a pod where we usually try to, you know, laugh and make light of things. Um, but the Childhood Cancer Awareness Month is actually quite near and dear to my heart uh, because unfortunately, my family has experienced uh, childhood cancer. So, what we're going to do today is um, I'm going to tell my story, and this will actually be the first time I haven't um, told my son's story in its entirety before. Um, and uh, yeah, the the girls have a few questions for me that they'll ask at the end of the story. And um, then I'd also like to share with you an awesome organization um, that if you feel like uh, you want to participate and um, support families, I'll give you their details. Um, so... In July of 2019, uh, Luke brought to my attention that he was a bit concerned because we uh, he had seen bruises on our two-year-old son's legs, and they weren't they weren't healing very fast. You know, they weren't healing like normal bruises. Um, now, our kiddo is not a stranger to random bruising. Uh, he's an active little boy who's constantly running, jumping, climbing, and you know, falling. Um, so we decided to keep an eye on it for a couple of days to see if they got any better. And then we'd make a decision as to what we would do at that point. So a couple days later on a Sunday evening, um, I noticed that there were some red spots on his groin area, his hips, his abdomen. Um, since they weren't causing him any discomfort, we decided to wait until the morning because it was, it was bedtime essentially for him. Um, and you know, they weren't itching. Uh, so we... Um, we decided to wait till the morning to take him to the doctor. So Monday morning comes around. Um, I go to work and Luke takes him to our GP who immediately sends him to the local hospital for some tests just to be safe. So um, at the hospital, because um, I had joined them at this point, um, at the hospital, we were told, you know, these tests are just for precaution. Um, you know, it's likely an infection, um, you know, because of the bruising, I was thinking anemia because I'm borderline anemic and, you know, I bruise like a peach. So, you know, at that point, our, um, our panic levels weren't terribly high. You know, we were definitely concerned, um, because, you know, we didn't have an answer, but we weren't, um, we weren't panicked. 
So uh, hours later, we were told that we were being transferred to the local children's hospital via an ambulance. Um, it wasn't until the next morning that a nurse had sat down with our son um, while Luke and I were taken to a little room. Uh, we were sat down with four other people. One of the women in a gentle voice explained that they had identified what they called were blast cells in our son's blood and that further testing had confirmed that he had leukemia. At that point, I felt like time had just kind of stopped or, you know, slowed. And you know that feeling you get when you honestly question reality? Like, this is so bad that it can't actually be happening, you know? It must be a dream or, you know, a movie. Um, I felt numb. I, I think I might have even been in shock a little bit. Um, you know, the mortality of my child never really occurred to me past you know, major safety issues like traffic and water and choking. And, you know, it's my job to keep him safe as a parent. So I, in that moment, I felt like I had failed somehow that, that, you know, I, I had somehow let or caused this to happen. Um, and I, I can't remember a whole lot about the initial conversation. I really only remember holding onto Luke's knee, like it was the only thing that would keep me upright and and I, I remember I offered to get tested for a bone marrow match because I knew that, you know, a, um, a, uh, a bone marrow donation might be in the cards, um, depending on his treatment. So the next day, um, our little toddler went into surgery to have a central line implanted in his chest. Um, so it was, it was two tubes. We called them noodles um, for the benefit of our small child. Um, and they provided quick access for blood draws, uh, and chemo treatments without having to poke him with a needle each time. Um, anybody that's attempted to poke a, uh, small toddler with a needle knows that they just hulk out, you know, um, they, they, they gather this strength that nobody knew they had. Um, and just inserting actually. So when we were originally in the hospital getting the tests, um, it took, uh, the phlebotomist, who is the blood draw individual, three nurses, myself and my husband, to hold my son, my two-year-old son still, yeah, to, to, to get this blood. Um, so, yeah, they don't, they don't like it. So uh, the central line was, unfortunately, um, it was the best option. Um, so the line actually hangs from his chest and it can't get wet. So his future bedtime baths would be in about 20 centimeters of water. He couldn't go uh, swimming. Um, we had to be careful in even like downpour, you know, in, in, in rain. Um, <clears throat> or if he, you know, spilled something on the front of, of his shirt. Um, we had to get training to, um, to be able to provide uh, emergency first aid if his line ever got pulled. Um, that was horrifying and, you know... Um, to this day, I still get a wave of anxiety when I consider what could have happened. Um, while he was getting the line implanted, he also got his first dose of chemo in his spinal fluid. Um, so this began what they call frontline treatment. It's the most aggressive treatment with the most brutal side effects. And the whole point of frontline is to get the patient into remission. Um, so that means to get rid of any sign or symptom of cancer. Um, so they violently attack the cancer with different forms of chemotherapy to avoid the cancer developing um, a resistance to one treatment or another. Um, a patient in frontline can experience things like um, hair loss, extreme fatigue, nausea, weight loss, low blood counts, neuropathy, mood swings, etc., etc., etc. And in my son's case, he experienced all of these um, because you know he's he's little. 
he didn't really have, you know, the size or, or the system to, um, to really fight it. So life was about to dramatically change for our family. Um, not only did we have to completely pull our son out of society, so daycare, weekend activities, sports, his friends, um, but we also had to figure out if it would be Luke or myself that would have to leave their job for a full, to be his full-time carer. Um, we didn't have family nearby that we could rely on for regular ongoing support. Um, so the decision was made. So that was the decision that we had to make. Um, ultimately, we decided that Luke would resign from his teaching job um, as being exposed to so many people, specifically kids, um, every day put him at a greater risk of bringing an illness home with them. I mean, you know, God knows we love kids, but they're little Petri dishes, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we're really grateful that Luke had access to some of his long service leave, but we essentially dropped an entire income with no notice. We were lucky to have family and friends who not only contributed to a GoFundMe for us, but many friends would drop by with food or gifts for the kiddo. Um, I had people preparing meals that could be kept in the freezer for those terrible days where we just couldn't bring ourselves to cook or, you know, take to the hospital with us when we had to stay overnight because hospital cafeteria food can get very expensive very, very <laughs> average. <laughs> um, and I learned how many of my friends were just really just awesome cooks. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Very Actually, um, do you remember, um, a couple episodes ago when we did the, um, the emergency first aid at home and I was telling you about yeah, um, yes. that nurse friend that I had who, who I called about the burn. Um, she actually, makes, yeah. Oh, I have to get this recipe. Still. <laughs> she makes the most delicious, um, they're like these pastry triangles with like spinach and feta and just, oh, oh yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, anyways, oh, that, was, that was a weird little epiphany to have in the middle of this story, but she's awesome. Thanks, Kelly. Um, right. So um, my gym actually even held a fundraiser for us, uh, which so many people attended and donated to. So on days where we got permission, um, he even had a couple of his little friends come visit him in the hospital and sit with him in bed while they watched a movie. Like it was just, it was so beautiful. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. And, and these little friends are just, just the absolute cutest. I have pictures of them like holding hands in the, in the little hospital bed where they watch, you know, like the Lego movie or something. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, so we went back and forth between the hospital and home. Um, each time we went to visit the hospital, we would hope like hell that our son's blood counts and temperature would stay within a normal range um, after his chemo dose so that we could go back home. If his temp was 38 Celsius or higher, it was an automatic 48-hour admission to the oncology ward, um, which is hard on all of us. Um, there were days where I would work a full day, drive to the hospital, send Luke home to get some rest and recharge, um, I would stay the night and I'd, um, you know, shower and change in the parents' room and go right from the hospital to another day of work when Luke came home to, or when Luke came to the hospital to take over for me. Um, you know, sitting all day in the hospital with a kid is brutal. You know, it seems boring, but, you know, just, just watching your kid uh, just try to survive and try to get through this was exhausting. So Luke badly needed um, badly needed breaks and I was more than happy to give it to him. Um, at home, uh, many nights we would be woken up by a wail from my son's room. Um, we'd run to him and we'd find him maybe covered in his own vomit or his legs would ache so painfully that it would wake him up. I distinctly remember holding his just frail little body because he had lost so much weight from the nausea and vomiting. 
Um, and we would give him whatever medication he needed at the time. And I would cuddle him to sleep in my arms. And I, it's, it's really weird, but I have a very vivid memory of, you know, cradling this little child in my arms and smelling the medicine that we just had to give him on his breath. And it's just, it's, it's a weird, yeah, I, I don't know how that makes me feel, to be honest with you. It's just, it's just a, a weird memory that kind of comes up when I think about it. Um, sometimes he would even in, end up in bed with, with Luke and myself because that was the only place that he felt safe. Um, his chemo treatments were often confusing. We had to be very careful to keep him on track um, of what he was supposed to take at home and what he, what he was supposed to go to the hospital for. Um, on treatment days, sometimes we got lucky and it was just a, it, it was called a push, um, which is a small dose administered by a syringe. It really only takes a few seconds. They, they flush his, his noodles. Um, and then we can, we can head off home mm -hmm. and that's all good. But, um, then there were bad days where the chemo drips were six hours, um, which usually meant we were at the hospital for seven or eight hours in the treatment room. Um, just sitting in recliner chairs hooked up to, you know, the bag of chemo, um, chatting with other parents that were in the treatment room for other different types of cancers. Um, but after nine months of intense poisoning, uh, we were finally told that the frontline treatment was over and he could proceed into the maintenance section of treatment. So this meant that his central line could be removed, which was fantastic, um, and that he could transfer uh, he could transfer to a lower dose of chemo. Uh, the, the point of maintenance is to make sure that the body stays in remission. Um, a patient is still on chemo, so they're still very much immunocompromised, but the side effects aren't as brutal. If the patient can stay in remission for a certain amount of time on maintenance treatment, um, then they'll usually be brought off treatment and continue to be monitored for a time. Um, so my, my son was on maintenance chemo for 15 months, and it was just in July of this year um, that he had a bone marrow biopsy, and the oncologist confirmed that he could stop taking his chemo, that he was officially, he was officially done his chemo. So we still have to monitor him yeah. periodically. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Best day. So, yeah. He still has to be monitored, monitored periodically, um, but his medical team are confident that it won't come back. Already having been off chemo um, for just such a short time, we can see so many positive changes in him physically. His hair is thicker. His face shape has changed a little bit. His eyes are brighter. His appetite has come back. Um, the chemo tends to stunt his growth as well. So we kind of see him, you know, starting to lean out a little bit and hopefully in the next um, you know year or so he'll he'll get to you know an average height for his age because he's a little shorty right now <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but uh, I mean really we're we're just amazed at this little guy's resilience his strength his ability to smile through a challenging ordeal because I'm telling you he was stronger than Luke and I um, so I I tallied up the different procedures that he's experienced over um, over the last two years, and um, I I've I've got them written down here. So, in the last two years, that's seven hundred and thirty days of treatment. Um, this little dude has had one hundred and seventeen nights in hospital, sixty four IV chemotherapy drips, thirteen lumbar punctures, nine you know tests and scans, so like X rays that kind of a thing, uh, eight blood transfusions, seven plate tra platelet transfusions six bone marrow biopsies, and hundreds of oral chemotherapy tablets and dozens of steroid tablets. Um, steroids are horrendous and terrifying in a small child. Um, not only do they eat like the Hulk, but they act like the Hulk. 
roid rage is a real thing. <laughs> very, <laughs> very God. much a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's terrifying. Um, so look, we're obviously overjoyed to be in this position, but the experience has changed a lot in Luke and I. Um, for one, I, I think that having to essentially tackle this on our own because, you know, we don't have the, the, um, the, the family nearby, um, we've become closer as a family. We feel fortunate that our kiddo was so young when this happened, um, so that hopefully as he grows, he'll remember very little, if any, of what he went through. Mm. I wouldn't want that burden on him as, as he grows up. And I find that I don't stress about a lot of little things anymore. Um, you know, but we're a bit overly attentive when it comes to things like potential symptoms, you know, we're, we're always looking for signs nowadays, even in our new baby, you know, we're just, there's not just that level of heightened mm -hmm. awareness. Um, I also learned a lot about myself through this experience. Um, I learned an incredible amount of patience. Uh, I learned how to advocate for my son and I learned way more about cancer treatment than I ever wanted to in my entire life. And if I never say the words intrathecal methotrexate again in my life, I will be a very happy <laughs> wow. woman. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one of the tongue twisters. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, so look, it's difficult to truly convey the experience, uh, because now I can talk about it rationally, but living it was a roller coaster of emotions, most of which I tried to keep to myself or, you know, I only shared with Luke. Um, I welcome support from the people around me, but I didn't want pity. You know, I, I tried very hard mm. to only mm. show strength, even when a lot of the time it was a bit of a front. I cried a lot. I got angry. I was fearful. I lost sleep from anxiety. There were more days than I'm comfortable with where I wore a mask when inside I was just, I don't know, imploding, I guess is the word. Um, I'm grateful for Luke. When I think back to the situation, I, I, I kind of picture us as, and this is, this is super weird, um, but I'm, I'm a really visual person. So um, I picture mm -hmm. us as two trees in a forest and our trunks had been hit by lightning and the trees were about to crash to the ground, but instead they, they fell into each other and they held each other up. Um, and that's the only way that they remain standing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I, I see Luke's in my relationship, because not only did we get stronger as a family, but, um, you know, just watching Luke, uh, you know, walk away from his job, which not a lot of men are, are really willing to do, yeah. you know, or even capable of doing, you know, being a full-time carer for a small child going through, you know, a serious medical treatment. Um, I, I find that I love and respect him so much more now after this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've always wanted a visual representation of that, but I can't draw. So if anybody out there <laughs> wants to just stab a drawing, <laughs> something like that, I'd love to see it. I'll post it on our Insta. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's our, our family's story. And that's obviously the reason why uh, childhood cancer awareness month is so near and dear to my heart. Um, so just before uh, we stop, because I know that you girls have a couple of questions for me, I just wanted to let you guys know um, that I'm going to be posting a couple of things on Instagram about um, childhood cancer. So like some of the signs and symptoms that you can uh, be aware of. And if you happen to see in your child, just a good idea to get them to the doctor to get them checked out. Um, fortunately, statistics show that, you know, people with you know, these particular symptoms like bruising, uh, petechia, which was the red spots, um, you know, swollen, um, uh, joints, there's, there's a couple dozen symptoms, uh, statistically they're unlikely to be cancer, but in my experience, you will never regret going to the doctor, yeah. but you might regret not going. Yeah. 
So um, check out our Instagram at um, at Intermomalog Pod, and um, I'll be posting a, a, a few things about childhood cancer uh, on our page. Um, ladies, who wants to go first? <laughs> Jeez. You went and answered a lot of the oh, questions. Okay, um, oh, that's good. Which, 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 which is a good thing, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and funnily enough, one of my questions was, you know, how how did it impact um, you and Luke? As you know. You hear a lot of stories when, you know, not necessarily just cancer, but different things happen in people's lives. And it, it does tend to make or break a couple. And I think that that was the most beautiful analogy that you could have given of those mm. those two trees. That was really, really very sweet. Um, but I do, I do often think about um, those wards where there's so many children and um, a very, very dear friend of mine is... Um, works at a children's hospital and I, I, I couldn't do it. I, I personally couldn't do it and I absolutely don't want to imagine, ever have to imagine what you've been through. Um, but did you find yourself having to completely shut off to every other parent and situation that was there to be able to cope with what you were going through? That's actually, that's a really good question. Um, and it just kind of um, illustrates how differently Luke and I work. Um, which is actually probably why we work really well together is that was, that's yeah. his coping strategy, um, you know, is focusing on yeah. our son and our son alone. And that's perfectly valid. Um, I am a social person. So I <laughs> <No>. know, <laughs> I, know sound right? I know that might shock you, but um, yeah, <laughs> I actually found a lot of um, comfort and reassurance um, when I met and spoke with parents and we kind of shared each other's stories because, you know, while my son had leukemia, um, there were unfortunately, you know, children with all sorts of different types of cancer that were in that ward. And sometimes, um, particularly for the mums I've found, I, it's, it's just a matter of being able to um, have someone listen and, uh, like I mentioned earlier, not pity you. You know, yeah, having okay. that conversation yeah. with another mom is more like, you know, we're standing together in solidarity and that whole, yeah. you're not alone. Um, yeah. And I, I met a number of people that, um, uh, that were in similar situations like us. Um, like for example, uh, there was this absolutely beautiful family, um, who the mother and a sadly a newborn baby um, was getting treated at the hospital and her other two kids and her husband were six hours away. And so she had to basically live at Ronald McDonald house um, so that she could travel back and forth with, with her baby. So she was, you know, missing out on God knows how much, you know, time out of her other kids' lives um, so that she could help save the life of, another like her own her other child so yeah just sharing each other's stories and you know sometimes it's it's hugs and you know holding hands and having a bit of a cry but yeah it's about support and solidarity I, I found for me personally um, I love that you used the word um, noodles to explain certain aspects to your son um, but what was the best way that you found to actually explain what was happening to your son well because he was so young we 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 couldn't really use words like leukemia and cancer and, and have him, you know, truly understand. So we, we just explained to him that he's sick. He has a yucky sickness inside his body and he has to take medicine 
and um, you know the doctors and the nurses are going to help him get rid of the sickness so that he can feel better. And he's going to be on medicine for a long time, but he's going to be okay. So it was just very, um, yeah, very rudimentary terms. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the noodles were the only um, were the only constant. Um, that he referred to. And he actually kind of became a little bit proud of his noodles. And um, <laughs> he has this little, I know Aww. it's so cute. Um, he, he had this little <laughs> vest where um, you, you, you stick the noodles um, inside of this little pocket in the vest so that he can actually sit in the tub and the noodles don't dangle and, you know, would potentially be a problem. Um, so, you know, he, after a while was able to put on the vest and tuck in the noodles all by himself. And we just had to help him with the Velcro in the back. And yeah, it was really sweet. He, he really actually, um, he took ownership of, of his treatment quite a bit. It was, it was pretty impressive. Um, oh, we, we did have a couple. Especially for two years. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the hardest part was tablets and, and getting a child Ooh. to take tablets. <gasps> but you yeah. know what? Um, man, I, again, one, one more thing that I'm absolutely grateful for Luke for, because he kind of, he helped me, um, stay strong when it got really tough trying to get him to take tablets. Cause with some of the tablets, you can't crush them because there's a certain amount of chemo and it has to go into his body and you can't risk it, you know, being like, uh, mushed up in, yeah, mushed up in ice cream and, you know, couple bites don't get eaten like it has to be do uh, a very specific dose um but we we worked on it with him we persisted it there was a lot of tears i'm not going to say whose <laughs> 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 um he his was angry tears mine were just desperate tears but we actually got to the point now and i kid you not my kid can take tablets better than most adults i bet I just put it, yeah, I, yeah, all we have to do now, um, and don't get me wrong, like this, this took like two months of brutal, um, angry, <laughs> fighting me on this and fighting and fighting Luke. But now, um, you know, if, if we, if he needs to take some, you know, Panadol, for example, um, we can just pop that in a little medicine cup. He chucks it back, <laughs> takes a drink. Walks away. No dramas. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very thankful that we got to that point because, yeah, before that point was unpleasant. Mm, I bet. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. You should see me try and take a tablet. It's not <laughs> – I still struggle. Like, <laughs> I have to. I actually have to drink the water and then push the tablet into my mouth and it's, it's – yeah, anyway, that's another tangent. That's a that's a legitimate strategy, Thank you. Carmel. That's a legitimate strategy. <laughs> As parents, I guess, you know, it is all about our kids and especially in this situation, it was all about all about him. I'd love to know, though, how you um, and Luke, how you really looked after yourselves um, as well, because I think, you know, we we sometimes can forget to to look after ourselves in those kind of situations. So was there any kind of strategies that you had? I know that you kind of did a swap with Luke when he when he felt like he needed that. Um, were there any other things that you did that really helped you guys to look after yourselves? Um, I hate to say it, but there wasn't a lot of self-care going on, um, particularly in that first nine months. Um, I'm really fortunate to have this awesome group of friends. Um, we all met when our kids were within, you know, 
a, a couple months old and um, they've kind of grown up together. And so, you know, there were occasions where I would get um, people dropping by and, you know, just to talk, yeah. you know, and, and, and not about my son's yeah. dancer, you know, just to talk to me. Um, so that was really helpful. Um, there were a couple nights where um, it was insisted that I go out with them and we just have a couple drinks and I don't think I drove. They just dropped me off at home. And um, yeah, yeah, there, there wasn't a lot of, of self-care. We definitely didn't, you know, go out on too many dates. <laughs> no, I can't imagine so. <laughs> yeah, um, because, you know, when it, when it came to the at-home medicine, I hate to say it, but because Luke and I were so involved actively in his treatment and we knew you know backwards forwards upside down and in different languages what his what his medical routine was we struggled to have trust for anybody else looking after him makes sense yeah so you know occasionally we'd have like uh his luke's mother would drive up and maybe we could go out for lunch you know, because there wasn't any medications to be taken during that lunch period. Or if there was, we would just administer it before yeah. we left. The biggest question any parent would want to know is, 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 is simply, you know, how how did you pull it through? How did, how did you do it? Because um, for anyone who hasn't been through that, I, I couldn't imagine it. Um, I, and I hope that I never have to imagine it. And I think that you have um, painted the picture for us mm. of, of how you did get through um, I don't think I, I want to question that question you anymore. I, I just want to say, like, you guys are awesome for, yeah. for what you have been through, oh, like, yeah. and to come through stronger and, you know, as a couple and as a, as a family unit, that's mind blowing, and that's that's what I want to say. You're awesome. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's really sweet to hear. And I, you know, I, I do get people, you know, saying, oh, you know, you're so strong. You're so this, you're so that. But at the end of the day, you know, a parent just does yeah. it. Yeah. Like it's, it's not about, it's not about, you know, uh, being strong because there were, oh God, so <laughs> many times where I was not. And, you know, being resilient. Nope. <laughs> I had to start from scratch with my emotions many, many, many times. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, when, when you choose to bring a child into that world, um, you travel through life with them, you know, sometimes it's side by side and sometimes you lead them and sometimes they lead you. But at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're tied to them forever. And, um, it's just one more thing that you got to get them through. But um, if anybody out there um, wants to support families that are going through um, a child with cancer, I would suggest that you look up redkite.org.au. They are absolutely amazing. Um, they are a foundation that is solely based on caring for families of children who are experiencing uh, cancer treatments. Um, so they take care of things like um, upon your admission, uh, when you're first going through, you get this uh, giant duffel bag with things that you might need um, staying over um, in the hospital. So, you know, you get uh, travel mugs, you get uh, shampoo and conditioner, you get blankets, 
um, you know, all these little beautiful things that, that basically say, you know, we, we care about you. Um, they, Red Kite is also very aware that, um, you know, families that are experiencing cancer, um, they struggle financially. So they will send things like um, uh, uh, fuel vouchers um, so that you can fill up your car. Um, occasionally you'll get grocery vouchers um, just so you can, you know, make that grocery shopping for the week that little bit easier. So if ever you want to support um, support families that are experiencing cancer treatments, redkite.org.au. They are amazing. Look them up. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today and, and letting me share my story. I really appreciate thank you guys. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, yeah. And I'm glad there was such a, there's such a great ending to the story as well. So yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we'll wrap that up for this week. Um, if you have any questions or comments for me as a parent of a child with cancer, um, feel free to jump onto our Facebook or Instagram. Um, I am happy to answer them if you have any questions. Um, thanks so much, ladies. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will see you thanks. next week. See ya. Bye. 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 Bye.